When I signed up for this, I had never taught any fitness classes. I've taught Bible studies. I've taught in the leadership development industry for 15 years. So I understood that part of it, but the fitness portion of it, that seemed a little out of my wheelhouse. And so obviously that part of the instruction was key for me, but a much bigger part of that was the shift in my own mind from what was um, all about, you know, getting that, fitting into those jeans and getting that perfect body or striving for what I had when I was in my 30s and my 40s, um, and shifting that from my body is made for good things and God's created me for good things. And I'm just so excited about sharing that with people. And um, I see everywhere I look now, I see people who need to be rescued from that same lie that I was believing. So, um, and that's what instructor training did for me. Well, hey there, Revelation Wellness friends. You just heard from Cindy Guthrie, one of our Arizona-based Revelation Wellness instructors. And Cindy shared how instructor training helped her make the shift away from striving to be the, quote, perfect size, which doesn't exist, and helped her embrace the goodness of her body. Friends, it's not too late to join us for Platoon 29 as we lead a brand new group of instructors through this same journey away from diet culture and into freedom that lasts. If you're new to us, what better way to become part of this incredible community that is passionate about living healthy and whole even if that means you never plan on teaching a fitness class. There's two tracks to choose from in instructor training, and you can pick the one that's right for you. You can swipe up on the show notes to get the link and all of the details, but registration closes in four days. So go download a packet right now. We would love to see you in Platoon 29. And speaking of brand new, we have a brand new Revving the Word coached by our very own Elisa Keaton for you today, and we think you're going to love it. As always, thank you for being here, and we will see you soon in all of the places. Getting the playlist going in three, two, one, play. All right. Light feet, everyone, if you're on your feet. If you're in a chair, still upright, deciding you're going to clap your hands, tap your toes, all movement is good movement. All movement. Perhaps the most important one right now, move your lungs by taking a deep breath deliberately and then lift the corners of your mouth. Exhale. Good. Really, really good. It's called embodied cognition. You can tell your brain what to think with the posture you take. Widen your chest. Lift your head. F right. Think up. 
all, I'm Elisa Keaton. For anyone who's new to me today, welcome. We're so excited, perhaps a friend. Well, if somebody referred this to you, they are a friend. It's a good friend. We're really jazzed that you're here, really happy you're here. I think I just said the word jazzed because this music sounds so jazzy. <laughs> Here's the goal, to break free, to loosen up, to be less rigid than when we came in here. We are not, not interested in creating hard bodies, but soft hearts. And our bodies get real rigid. Stress, worry, fear, day-to-day -day activity. We're inundated with things that we can be doing, should be doing, and are doing. So let's make sure we're, this is not adding to that list. That this is a time for you to let go, soften, even as you move your body and engage your muscle on purpose. Because the difference is, this is all on purpose. You're thinking about doing this. You're making the choice every second to keep doing this. You don't have to. And you're not getting, you're not getting paid for this. <laughs> the benefits, though, go far beyond a paycheck. Mental health, physical health, emotional well-being, spiritual enlightenment. I'm going to talk to that spirit of yours. So God, we welcome you here. God of the universe. Creator God. Who saw our bodies forming in our mother's wombs. Would you come? Have your way in this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Jesus, he's awesome. Man, has he gotten a bad rap by religious people. <laughs> I was one of them. I didn't know him. And that's why we've been pressing into stories. The parables of Jesus. And today... He comes after our thinking we know who he is and still not knowing. Matthew 21, 28, all the way to 22, 14. Now, I don't, I'm not going to read everything because it's one long story Jesus tells. He's in the temple and his authority is being questioned by the religious people. People who they think, you know, they know who Jesus is. They're watching him do all these things and they're asking him, what authority? Who gives you the right to do this? So his audience was these people who hold themselves in high standards and high standing in the world especially when it came to things that were spiritual. So 
to the religious Pharisees, people who knew scripture, study it from birth, so they could gain a place, an important place at the table of the spiritual conversation of the day in the Jewish tradition. Now we're not picking on Jews, but Jesus did pick the Jews to be his chosen people. Jesus was a Jew, but I love that he comes and disrupts the status quo so that the door may be open to all who would come and believe. He disrupted, interrupted the commands, the laws for a greater law. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, humility. So Jesus questions them as they question him, where did you get this authority? Jesus asks a question back to his crowd, saying, I'll also ask you a question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And the religious people start to confer among themselves, talk to one another, because this was a loaded question. They knew that if we say that he is from heaven, he's going to say to us, why then, we don't, why then don't you believe? And if we say that John the Baptist's authority came from man, the crowd is going to kill us. Because this crowd all holds that John was a prophet. I love people who are frozen in fear. Fear of man. They expose themselves. Eventually, they get trapped. You have to make a decision. This is why Jesus, you either have to king him or kill him. He is not neutral, friends. The personhood of Jesus, who he is, and what he's done, has been told through the history of time. And everyone must decide for himself and herself. Who is he? That's why don't, don't take who you think he is based on who someone else told you he was. Get in. Start in Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read those Gospels. He's amazing. He'll flip the tables upside down on what you thought a God could be like. Jesus embodies the Father. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father's heart. For God so loved these sinful people that he gave his one and only son. So religious people, they are frozen in fear with we don't know minds. That was their response, by the way. They say, we don't know. And the truth is they did know. They were just afraid. They were afraid that if they said from heaven, it would cost them their standing with the crowd and afraid if they said from man, it would cost them their safety in the crowd. Jesus 
the only safe place to stand. And it will cost you your life. Either way, either way, friends, we are losing our life. On a scale of one to 10, I want you to be, anything over five is concerted effort, pointed effort. Let's be a seven, okay? You can hear your breath, but you can still keep it going. It actually feels hopeful. Yeah, relax your shoulders. Breathe through your nose, exhale out your mouth. It would be hard for you to just breathe through your nose. Can I get an amen? Okay. Okay, so in light of the audience Jesus has in the temple and the questions that are being asked, and remember, maybe perhaps someone of these religious leaders actually wanted to know the answer, but mostly they just wanted to frame him. They wanted to catch him in a lie, expose him. Y'all, but wisdom has a name, Miss Jesus. So the parable of two sons, Jesus begins to tell a story about two sons who are invited to go work in the vineyard. So let's see this. There's a man who has two sons. He's got a vineyard. And he says to his sons, go and work in them. And one of them says, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind. And then to another son, he says, go and work. Work the vineyard today. And the other answers, I will go. But he didn't go. And Jesus asked, which of the two did the will of his father? Right? Think in pictures, everyone. Where's your heart today? Are you deceiving yourself by saying, I'm going to do this, but really you're not going to? Are you trying to get public approval? Fit the mold? But your heart isn't right? Or is your heart not right today? But you are willing to go. It's okay. I love this. This passage gives us the invitation. Be where you are, but don't expect to stay there, friends. Be movable. Have a mind that can be changed and influenced towards the things of God not the things of man. Religious people say, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I do that. But their actions do not back their words. And friends, this is why we're here. Let's work this inconsistency out. Say this prayer with me. God, make me one. May my words and thoughts 
line up with my actions. Anyone, if you want that, you've come to the right place. So Jesus asked, which son did the will of the Father? To these religious people, to these haughty people. And they said, well, the first, of course. Even though he was resistant, he changed his mind and he went. Then Jesus says, get a load of this. Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your mind and believe him. Come on. That's the word of the Lord. I love Jesus. Do you see how amazing he is? Woo! Jesus, who was a Jew, came and disrupted their prideful, religious, pious, sanitized hearts where their hands were always clean, but their hearts were wrong and hard and dirty. Tax collectors and prostitutes go before you. Ooh, that would be offensive. I love the Bible because it offends my pride. It literally is the best cleaning antiseptic for my soul. Anyone else? Read it. Don't let the enemy tell you it's too difficult. You're too dumb. Read it like a child. You know, a child doesn't know that they are, quote, dumb until someone tells them. Can I get an amen? And that someone is the enemy of who they are, their creation. So even if nobody personally told them that, at some point, there will be a situation at school where they start putting two and two together and go, wait a minute, I'm not as smart as these other kids. My grades, come on, so I love, Jesus doesn't grade us. The kingdom of God does not grade us. I don't have an A and you have an F because I've been following Jesus longer. Uh-uh. This is why the gospel levels the playing field. And it turns us all into water boys and girls. We're just here to serve. Cheer one another on. Love it. Recently, I was talking to a friend, a new friend, someone that I know, but we had time to sit over a meal and talk. And one of my favorite things to do is testimony. I said, I want to know your testimony. Help me know where wonderful you got to where you are today. <laughs> and my friend began with, oh, well, I used to sell sex toys. <laughs> and I was like, just the words came out of her mouth. And I mean, like, you know, if you're selling sex toys and you don't know Jesus, all kinds of things are going on, I'm sure, right? It's just a lifestyle, much like a tax collector 
for prostitutes have an environment they live in. And when she said that, I looked at her, I stopped, I said, I love you. I love you even more now that I know that is your history, that is your past. Come on, come on. Anyone else? If that's true for you, you have found your people here at Revelation Wellness. You can't tell me anything that would surprise me about the darkness and the evil you have taken part in. Nothing. 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 Accelerate to an eight. Come on. Push, push. Knees up, shoulders relaxed. So, Jesus told this story of these two sons, their heart posture towards the Father, about going and working. Now, the Jews would understand work. So, I love that Jesus talks to them in their language. Then, in Matthew 21, starting in verse 33. Jesus begins to tell tell the story of workers in a vineyard. I'm sorry, the owner of a vineyard. The owner of a vineyard who does the work, right? There is a master of a house who planted a vineyard. It's his vineyard. He puts a fence around it, digs a wine press, builds a tower then leases it to tenants, renters. Pull back. And when the season for fruit, because it's a vineyard, when that season drew near, he sends his servants out, his servants, not to the tenants, right? Because we, we are both. We are workers in the field, and we are renters of whatever God's given us. So this man sends his servants to the tenants who are renting space in his field to go get fruit. Go back and be a seven. And the tenants when the servants came to collect, they start killing them. Come on. They killed one, stoned another, right? These servants were coming to get what was rightfully theirs. And these leasers, these renters, these tenants are saying no. And they kill, stone, beat. Finally, the owner of the vineyard sends his son, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir, come. Let us kill him and have his inheritance. Accelerate. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. You see, these are people, they're ungrateful. They think they own the field. 
Y'all, we do this when we think what is ours is ours. If we've worked for this, this is ours. And they haven't even worked for it. They're not the workers. They're just the leasers. But comfort grows pride, everyone. Comfort breeds pride. So when the air comes, they come up with this plan. We'll kill them, and you know what? They do. Verse 40, here comes the question. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And these smart religious people, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to the tenants who will give him fruits in their seasons. Day of seven. Can't talk, gotta beat in my headphones. You see that? Wisdom answered its own question. Well, put those miserable tenants to death and let out the vineyard to the other tenants who will give him the fruit in their season. Then Jesus goes on to say, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is quoting from Psalm 118, 22 to 23. Jesus did not come to abolish the Old Testament. He comes to connect it to this new covenant, the old covenant to the new covenant, your old life for your new life your past, for your present and future. That's why, listen, there's grace for you if you're still walking it out, falling down on your face. But you know what? You're going. You're going, unlike those who fool themselves and say, I will go, and you do not. In these parables today, Jesus is getting after these hard-hearted people. And you know what? He's doing it. Mercy and compassion. He knows the fear they have lived in. He knows the lack that they believed in. He knows that they have worked hard to study, memorize scripture, but they missing it. They're missing the heart of God. So Jesus has come asking questions that get to the heart. He's a, and friends, listen to me. The only way God can do that is he has to offend us. He has to bump into us. Let him bump into you today. If you leave this teaching feeling comfortable about your life, feeling better, like, yep, I checked all the boxes. Woe to you. How willing are you to go? What are you resisting? Where are you holding back? Anchoring down into your plans. Be an eight. Accelerate towards an eight. When you're an eight, it's comfortable, uncomfortable work. 
verse 43, right after Jesus quotes Psalm 118. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Woo! And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Make no mistakes, friends. The stone is gonna have its way. You will either fall on it or it will fall on you. Fall on it. It's better to be broken than to be crushed. Can I get an amen? Which one are you willing to be? Broken or crushed? Stay in eight. Stay a comfortably uncomfortable eight. Listen, if you can't breathe, you're at a nine. It's too much, come back. If you're at a seven, you're not leaning into it. I love a good eight. I love a good seven, eight range. Nine, 10, I'm not happy. I don't wanna do it for very long. Seven, I can do comfortably for a long amount of time. Eight requires my focus, focus. That's what Jesus is doing in the stories. He's getting us to focus. Did you know that's true? It's part of your brain, your executive functioning part of your brain and your prefrontal medial cortex. It's called a working memory. Right now, the, their working memory is being engaged in their brain, these Pharisees. Your working memory is your ability to take in new information while holding on to key parts of the story. So you're remembering parts of the story that are important so you can go on the journey. So I love a good story bypasses <laughs> the limbic brain, the emotional lockdown. Every time you study the Word of God, you're working your working memory, trying to remember important things while still learning new information. Pull back. Verse 43, again, therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people, producing its fruits. The religious were about to lose their standing, their kingdom, their business plan. They're about to lose it. And it was gonna be given to people who knew who know they are not owners of anything. That God owns the vineyard. God owns your breath. God gave you life. Come on, y'all. And if, that, if that's not true for you, go figure out. Science is still trying to figure out 
so much unknown about creation, about how our eyes work, our brains, the world, cosmos, universe. And God's like, man, you busy yourself with all that. I'm the cornerstone. I, I've built all this. I've built all this. Can we just take a minute to move and reflect on the truth that he has built it? He knows your life story. There's not a day in your life that he wasn't aware was coming. And you can choose to be offended at the pain and what happened, the sin. Or you can turn the page. Say, you know what? I don't have to understand to worship. I need to be free more than I need to be right. Come on. This is what Jesus was offering the religious people to be free from their burdens. But they wanted to be right. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. That's what scripture calls giving the, being given the spirit of stupor, or I'll say stupid. Don't receive it. It's a joke. Seriously, would you rather get to the end of your life and feel like, well, I got everything right, but I have no freedom. I have no joy. I have no kindness. I have set up camp. And people either need to follow my rules to get into my camp. Guess what? You will be alone in your camp at the end of your life. <laughs> but the prostitutes <laughs> and the tax collectors, the bedraggled and the abused, the rejected, woo! We're gonna be having a party. We're gonna be having a party. Nice, moderate intensity, everyone. You can be walking, feeling your heartbeat. Let's just take a minute. Let's get somatic. I want you just notice your breath. Don't try to change it. And just count it. Don't try to change it. There's no scoring system. Okay? When I say go, Keep moving as you're moving and drop into your breath and begin to count. Ready, set, go. Good. Multiply it times four. You got an inhale and an exhale is one, just so you know. Well done. I don't know where you're at. I'm not even going to tell you where you should be. I just want you to notice that that breath <laughs> should be the most active of the day. You're leaning in, friends. You are leaning in. Later today, think about trying to get your breath to six breaths a minute. Inhaling for five, exhaling for five, one. Inhaling for five, exhaling for five, two. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Now that's a low number, but 10 to 15 breaths a minute, it's a good place to try and just be. If you focus, you can get it down to six. Most people, friends, breathe 20 and higher a minute because they are in working fight, flight, freeze, stress. Not you. We stress ourselves now to create capacity for later. Amen. All right. One more story Jesus continues to tell this audience he's holding. It's the parable of the wedding feast. That the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And so he goes out, sends his servants to call the ones who were invited, people he knew, to come. But they wouldn't come. <laughs> they wouldn't come. It's crazy. So he sends his servants again, saying, tell the, tell, go back to the people I invited, second time, and, and say to them, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves. I have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm and another to his business. Right, they're busy. No, I don't... I don't got time for that party. I'm building something over here. Come on. God's inviting them to come. And they're like, no, I got to keep at it, what I'm doing. So one said, no, I got work in the field to do. The other said, no, I got work downtown to do. While the rest seized the servants and treated them shamefully and killed them. Y'all, in this story, the servants are the prophets, the people who have come before, the Davids, the Moses, the Isaiahs, the teachers and prophets that have come before, that have been murdered, killed, died without honor, died setting the invitation to come back to the God. then the king was angry verse 7 the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city Woo! come on God is a God of justice he'll work it out listen I don't have the I don't have the strength to carry the weight of justice but God does so don't worry about who gets what He'll take care of it. Evil will destroy itself. And that, what doesn't destroy itself, God will take care of. He destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those who are invited are not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads, invite to the wedding feast as many as you find those tax collectors, those prostitutes, come on, those who think they're too dirty to come, not qualified, go get those, and the servants went out into the roads, and they gathered all that they found, all whom they found, both bad and good, hey, 
Jesus said it, both bad and good. This just take us back to the parable that Jesus talked about, the wheat and the weeds, that they're gonna grow up together. And at the end time, he'll sort it out. Don't worry about it. So the wedding was filled with guests. Many came. Come on. Many of us think we own what we have and when we're only renting. We're not the owners of our lives, friends. God is. And then he invites us to have a glad heart. Have a glad heart. Don't stay all about your business. takeaway of this wedding feast. Many are called, but few are chosen. Because later we'll see that even the bad and the good that came to the wedding feast, there was a man who had no wedding garment. And the, the master of the vineyard owner said, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. I'm sorry, the king said to him, how'd you get in here? There is a wedding garment, everyone. You have to have the wedding garment on. Everyone is called, but few are chosen. It's the ones who humble themselves, who are willing to throw off rank. And that's what a wedding garment was for. A wedding garment was a simple nondescript robe that all attendees would wear to a wedding. In this way, rank or station was covered so everyone at the feast could mingle as equals. Everyone's called, many, but few are chosen. It's the ones who humble themselves, who are willing to throw off rank in order to honor the diversity and the unity that the king wants from those who are chosen. God, thank you for this message. Thank you that you pursue our hearts at all costs and you see how stubborn we are in places, how fearful, how locked down in our story. And we refuse to work our memory and track with you and what you're saying. God, I speak to everyone who's listening right now as their heart rate is up and their brain is doing good chemistry. God, renew their minds, not just metaphorically, but physically. That these are followers of Christ. These are people who don't say, I will go and don't. That even in their resistance, God, even in their resistance. They are teachable. Their minds are influenced by your Holy Spirit. So they become the influencers of a time and a space and a place here on earth where their voice is needed. God, have your way with us. We thank you for your storytelling and how you are reckless and radical about setting us free. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Don't forget... If you're still listening, I have a feeling you are a future fitness teacher, gospel preacher. Even if you never teach a fitness class, it's about getting yourself fit and whole, having a culture inside of you that you can give away to others, whether it's in your workplace, your family, the social environment that you inhabit, and your church community where we know there's a lot of hard hearts, hard hurt hearts. So come have your heart be healed, be whole, and go set others free. 
Swipe up on the show notes, get all the info, and I will talk to you next week. Peace.